0: What is up guys, it is Quinn here and in today's video, I'm gonna be jumping into my week two rankings. So in this specific video, we're gonna be going through the top 36 running backs and then the top 18 quarterbacks. In the next one, I'll be going through the wide receivers and the tight ends. So just kind of running through specific matchups, not going crazy in depth on every single player, just kind of going through, you know, general trends. Obviously it's still early on in the season. So we haven't really pinpointed, I mean, we really haven't pinpointed like tiers of players We also haven't really pinpointed specific like great matchups, right? We kind of understand what defenses are solid, what defenses are, you know, probably more exploitable, but we still don't know like, wow, this is a crazy juicy matchup for the running backs. This one's crazy for the quarterbacks. So, you know, if you think one guy should be ranked way higher or way lower, it's just not something to overreact to a ton because we are still very, very early on in the season. But let's just jump into the rankings. So we're going to start off with the running backs at number one, I have Christian McCaffrey coming off a down week one. I still think he has the highest ceiling of any fantasy football running back. And also when we're being honest, like when we're talking about these early options, I'm not going super in depth on like, I have McCaffrey over Jonathan Taylor because X, Y, Z, because in reality, right, if you have those players on your team, you're going to be starting them. So Jonathan Taylor here at number two, going up against the Jaguars, this could be another monster game for Jonathan Taylor. Really like to see the receiving involvement that really is something that could take his ceiling to the next level and actually may lead to him outproducing uh, his 2021 season. Number three, Saquon Barkley. Saquon is back. It's amazing to see, and he really does have one of the highest ceilings in fantasy football. Like perfect scenarios, you probably have McCaffrey, and Saquon is probably right there, if not maybe higher. I wouldn't say higher, but he's probably a little bit lower than McCaffrey, if not right at McCaffrey level when we're talking about like perfect ceiling ceiling being able to average 25 plus points per game. He is up there. He's healthy. So great looks for Saquon Barkley owners. Then we've got DeAndre Swift here at number four, going up against Washington. Swift's gonna have a super solid role in the receiving game. He looked really solid on the ground in week one. That was kind of the concern a lot of people had with Swift. They didn't really know if he was a great NFL rusher, you know, in terms of a pure running back. He looked great in week one. I believe he had the highest rushing grade per PFF, So great news there for Swift. Number five, I have Austin Eckler going up against the Chiefs. Going to have strong receiving role on a high-scoring offense. He is still a mid to high-end RB1 play. Number six, I have Delvin Cook. Honestly, really solid usage in week one. Kind of flew under the radar. I think he had 20 carries, was also very involved in the receiving game. If he's getting that type of workload consistently, the touchdowns are going to come and he's going to be giving you top production. So love Delvin here as a mid-tier RB1 option. Then we've got Derrick Henry here at number seven. Henry is just going to be a guy where if he doesn't get into the end zone, it's going to be tough for him to be solid. But then he's going to have those games where he rushes for 130 yards and a few touchdowns. So I know I saw a few comments with people saying, like, oh, what are you doing with Derrick Henry after the down game? It's just something that's going to happen when you don't have a receiving floor, right? Like players like Cook, uh, maybe a guy like Fournette, they can have games where they don't get into the end zone but they have that receiving floor where you know they're going to be involved as a pass catcher. Derrick Henry doesn't have that, but he has the option of going nuclear on the ground at any given week. So still feel solid with Derrick Henry here at seven. Eight, I have Joe Mixon. He got super involved in the receiving game, which was great to see. That's the step that's really going to take him to the next level. That's kind of the reason why I didn't love him at the one-two turn. If he didn't have that receiving role, I didn't know if he'd be able to hit that elite upside. He was involved in week one. So, we'll see if that continues later on in the season. Number nine, I have Leonard Fournette. Bucks seem like they want to just, you know, really use Lenny as the workhorse. Obviously, great news for Lenny owners. If he's getting a ton of touches on a top offense, it's going to produce big time for Fournette. Number 10, I have Alvin Kamara. Down game in week one. Also a tough matchup here against the Buccaneers. So, I do have him as more of a back end RB1 option. But long term, I still think Kamara's a locked in mid tier running back one. At number 11, I have Najee Harris. And this is just kind of a tough situation with his injury. Originally, it looked pretty bad. Then, after the game, we were hearing like high ankle sprain. Then, we were hearing some sort of foot injury, maybe missing a few weeks. Then, he comes out uh, yesterday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. So, he comes out today, you know, when I'm recording this, and basically says that he'll be good to go on Sunday. So we'll see how this plays out. You know, obviously, if we're getting reports later in the week that he's going to be limited or on a snap count, then that's something we'll reevaluate here. But right now, I'm going to slot him in here at number 11, maybe taking into account that he's not going to have the full 100% Najee workload, but still kind of be the guy in that offense. Then at number 12, I have Aaron Jones coming off of a down week one performance. I think it's a little bit concerning, you know, how AJ Dillon's workload compared to Aaron Jones... I imagine if you're an Aaron Jones owner, you want to be seeing Jones as the clear number one and Dylan as the number two. We didn't exactly see that. I still think he's the top option moving forward, but you know he's going to fall more to like a back-end RB1 this week. Then into the RB2s, I've got James Connor here at 13, also coming off a down game, but the usage was there. I was encouraged by his uh, receiving workload, so that was good to see moving forward. I expect this Cardinals offense to bounce back 14, Javante Williams, still in somewhat of a split with Melvin Gordon. The uh, receiving usage was good to see. Wasn't great that Melvin Gordon was getting the crack at the goal line. You know, then Gordon fumbles, opening up an opportunity for Javante. Then he goes out and fumbles also. So just interesting to see how that backfield will develop. 15, I have Nick Chubb going up against the Jets. This could be a game where the Browns go up early and Nick Chubb is just icing this game on the ground. 16 I have AJ Dillon. Kind of mentioned it with Aaron Jones, but his usage was really, really solid. It didn't look like a 1A, 1B. It really looked like they were on the same level. We'll see if he matches that this week against the Bears. Then at 17, I have Daryl Henderson. I think some people may be hesitant to start Daryl Henderson, you know, over some of the options I have ranked behind him. From what we saw, I just have to expect Henderson's gonna be the guy. We saw Akers get what, like three carries. He did nothing with it. Henderson wasn't great on his opportunities, but they were feeding him the ball. We haven't seen any indication from McVay that this is going to change. So I just think Henderson's going to be the guy moving forward. He's going to have the workload he had last year when he was the guy, you know, when Akers was out with that torn Achilles. So I think he actually may be almost like a buy low option. You're maybe not buying him low, but if he continues to get the workload he had in week one, you're looking at probably a high end running back two moving forward. So I like Henderson here at 17. Also a pretty solid matchup against the Falcons. They could go up early and run that game out. At 18, I have Josh Jacobs. Kind of lukewarm here on Jacobs. He wasn't someone I loved, you know, in drafts. I think the usage was solid. Obviously, you know, he was kind of hindered by the fact that they were down most of that game. But I think he's going to be in a decent spot here against the Cardinals. At 19, I have Antonio Gibson going up against the Lions. Some people may be higher on Gibson, I'm ranking him here as a mid-tier RB2. I think that's fair. He did have the big receiving day. I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to replicate that since he isn't getting those third down and two-minute drill opportunities. If he goes out again and has another big receiving day, then I'll definitely have to consider moving him up you know, in the weekly rankings moving forward. At 20, I have Kareem Hunt. Just you know, playing behind Nick Chubb here. We saw him get into the end zone twice in week one. Similar to what I said about Nick Chubb, if the Browns go up early, Those two guys could really be clinching this one. So I have Kareem Hunt there at 20. 21, I have Cordero Patterson going up against the Rams. It's a tough matchup against the Rams, but Patterson's usage in week one was like wild. I feel like it's kind of flown under the radar. This was not like a split he was in last year with Mike Davis where Patterson's getting like 11, 12 carries, Davis is getting eight, nine. Cordero Patterson was getting the work out of that backfield If he can keep that up for however long his body can maintain it, I think he's going to be a great fantasy option. 22, I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. A really strong week one performance. Didn't even need to play the full game because the Chiefs were just blowing out the Cardinals. I like the role he has. I feel like he's going to be sliding in as like a back-end RB2 probably most of the season. 23, I have Ezekiel Elliott. Some people may think this is too low for Zeke this is not a good spot with the Cowboys now. All these weapons are not looking great. Elliott's taking a hit. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is taking a hit. Tony Pollard is taking a hit. You're looking at Zeke in an offense where he's not going to have the touchdown upside. That's really cutting off a decent amount of his production. So he's going to be a back-end RB2. We'll see how this Cowboys offense looks this weekend. Not overly optimistic with that unit. Then at 24, wrapping up the RB2s, I have Miles Sanders going up against the Vikings. Not going to be the workhorse of his offense, but he's going to be the top running back on a really strong rushing attack for the Eagles, so I like him there at 24. 25, I have Travis Etienne, a really tough player to navigate because when you're looking at his workload, it was pretty brutal. You're looking at his fantasy finish, it was not great, but then you're looking at what it could have been if a few things just went correctly. He gets uh, missed on a wide-open touchdown by Trevor Lawrence. Then he drops his own wide-open touchdown on a different uh, possession. So this really could have gone from like an eight-point game to like 24 or something. And then we're, you know, having a totally different discussion here. I think he's going to be a player who definitely maybe peaks later on in the season. But I think as like a fringe RB2, he's a decent option here. 26, I have Chase Edmonds. Really did nothing in terms of actual production in week one but the usage was there. He led the team in carries. He's obviously gonna be the receiving back. I just think that's a nice, you know, kind of workload to have here for the Dolphins. 27, I have David Montgomery, probably lower than consensus on Montgomery. Going up against the Packers, not an ideal matchup. I also think Khalil Herbert is just on his heels when it comes to this workload. Montgomery's probably gonna get the receiving work, but if you have Khalil Herbert stepping in there, maybe, you know, snagging some opportunities on the goal line, that greatly hinders Montgomery's upside as a running back. At 28, I have Rashad Penny. This is going to be assuming that Kenneth Walker is either not playing or, you know, very limited going up against the 49ers. I think he is startable if uh, like I said Kenneth Walker is out of the lineup. And so interesting option there is like a, you know, mid-tier RB3 play. I've got Jeff Wilson here at 29. Some people may automatically assume like, okay, Elijah Mitchell goes down, I'm just going to throw Jeff Wilson into my lineup as an auto start. If you have better options, like Jeff Wilson is not someone where I'm like, I need to put this guy in my lineup. I think he'll probably, you know, be the number one running back. But I mean, Debo is probably going to be that guy when we're looking at the valuable opportunities, the goal line work. I imagine that's Debo. I imagine that's Trey Lance. So I feel like you're kind of just hoping for a touchdown with Jeff Wilson. And I don't even know if he's going to be getting most of those opportunities So not someone I'm overly excited about. At number 30, I have Ramondre Stevenson. After week one, this Patriots backfield was just looking miserable. You had basically Stevenson and Harris splitting the carries, and then you had Ty Montgomery getting the receiving work, which was just brutal for Ramondre Stevenson owners because if you drafted Stevenson, you wanted him to have half the carries and take over that receiving work. It was going to Ty Montgomery. It looked brutal. Ty Montgomery now injured, Ramondre Stevenson will likely slot into that role also, which gets you one step closer to seeing Ramondre Stevenson being, you know, startable for fantasy. Then at 31 and 32, I have the Jets running backs back to back. Michael Carter here at 31, Brees Hall at 32. This just looks like a dead even 50 50 split. Obviously, that's kind of tough to start for fantasy, especially when you're not in a great offense. So we'll just see how this continues to develop and, you know, what their receiving role looks like. Think together, they had like 19 targets in week one. Obviously, not sustainable, probably more of a Joe Flacco thing. But, you know, if they do it again, maybe it's something you can bank on in week three, assuming Zach Wilson is not back yet. Then at 33, I have Melvin Gordon going up against the Texans. I think I talked about this in the start sit video, but this could be a game where both uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante could feast. If they go up early, they're running it out. Both of these dudes could get involved. But, you know, when we see Javante getting all the receiving work, Melvin Gordon isn't, so, you know, a player I'm super excited about here in week two. 34, I have James Robinson. Some people may think he should be higher. I just kind of see him as a low ceiling play here. Travis Etienne's going to be the receiving guy. James Robinson's going to be getting the carries, but on a bad offense, limited touchdown upside. It's just not a super exciting role to have. But I'm glad to see he's back from that Achilles honestly, probably like one of the biggest success stories, especially with how quickly he's returned from it. I mean, we see Akers just, you know, buried behind Daryl Henderson, but then James Robinson is back, you know, doing his thing in this backfield. So good to see there. 35, I have Devin Singletary, I guess the number one option in this Bills, you know, committee here, but that's exactly what it is. You know, it's a committee. Zach Moss is going to be involved. Maybe James Cook, if he doesn't fumble on his first touch. So just a few mouths to feed and just not a ton of volume out of that, you know, running back position anyway for the Bills. And then the uh, 36th and final running back is going to be Damian Harris. Like I said, Ramondre ahead of him, likely going to be getting that receiving work, but still someone who's going to have a decent workload on the ground. So those are the top 36 running backs. Now we jump into the top, what is this, top 18 quarterbacks. I'm just kind of going to quickly run through the top six. I was ranking these and I found it really difficult because it always seems like I'm disrespecting the QBs that I'm ranking at five and six. I have a very clear like top six and then I think there's a pretty solid fall off. So I've got Josh Allen at number one, just a monster. Lamar Jackson at two, got Jalen Hurts at three, Mahomes at four, Kyler at five, and then Herbert at six. Like it seems disrespectful to have Herbert at six. You have Keenan Allen out and then I'm looking like, all right, do I move him ahead of Kyler, Mahomes? then it seems like I'm disrespecting those guys. Regardless, if you're in like a normal league, you're not gonna have two of those options unless it's like Superflex. Even in Superflex, you wouldn't have any of those dudes because they'd all be uh, first round picks. So those are the top six. Then when we get into seven, I have Russell Wilson. Solid matchup here against the Texans. Looked decent in his first game. Should continue to get better and better chemistry with these weapons. Then I've got Joe Burrow at eight. I'm expecting a bounce back after that five turnover game probably going to be like a career low for Joe Burrow. I think the team will bounce back. It'll also be nice if he has T. Higgins back in the lineup, who is dealing with a concussion right now. Number nine, I have Tom Brady. The Bucs have struggled with the Saints, so it's not a spot where I'm expecting him to just go out and torch them. I do still think, though, he's a solid like back-end QB1 play. At 10, I have Matthew Stafford going up against the Falcons, also expecting a bounce back out of Matthew Stafford. At 11, I have Trey Lance. Some people have already given up on Trey Lance. I am still in on him. It'll also be nice to see him in a matchup where, you know, the weather isn't just horrendous like it was in Chicago in week one. Then at 12, I have Kirk Cousins. Looked really strong in week one, just force feeding Justin Jefferson. He goes up against the Eagles. Like him as a fringe, you know, QB1 option. Derek Carr here at 13. Expecting a bounce back after a rougher week one. He goes up against the Cardinals. Then at 14, I have Jameis Winston. You know the Bucks run defense is fantastic. I bet they rely on Jameis Winston, attack this Bucs secondary. He's got the weapons around him. Michael Thomas, got Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, obviously Kamara out of the backfield. Taysom Hill as like that hybrid tight end, whatever he is. So I think Jameis Winston is a solid start, especially if you're a guy who maybe had Dak as your starter, Dak goes down, or maybe you even had a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who you may not trust here in week two. I think Jameis Winston is a solid fill in here. Then we've got Aaron Rodgers at 15. It's just tough for me to rank him any higher when we just don't know what's going on with these wide receivers. We don't really know if Lazard's gonna play. If he does play, is he 100%? And then without Lazard, like even if Lazard is there, I still don't feel super confident. The offense just didn't look great. I do think they'll get it together. I do think they bounce back, but I don't know if they go from horrendous in week one to you know sensational in week two. I think they did it uh, last year but Devontae Adams was on that team. So it's a little bit of a different story. Then at 16, I have Justin Fields. Just like for Trey Lance, interesting to see how Justin Fields looks in a normal game with normal weather. Uh, 17, Tua fed the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That's how he's gonna be producing this year. And then I've got Matt Ryan here at 18. Solid matchup against the Jaguars. Up and down week one, but he'll probably settle in here in week two in a decent matchup. Maybe not though, because he did struggle against the Texans so we'll kind of wait and see. But once we're getting into like this QB 18 range, if you want to throw Wentz in there, Mariota, Lawrence, like pretty interchangeable at that point. If you're in a one quarterback league, like 10, 12 people, you're probably not even looking at quarterbacks this late. So those are my running back and quarterback rankings. If you guys did enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Also, if you have any fantasy questions, this could be anything from start sits, trade advice, waiver wire, Whatever it is, you guys can drop those down below and I'll actually be getting back to every single person. But as always, thank you all for stopping by and I'll see you guys in the next one.